Welcome to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. The Pharmacy Future Leaders is part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network, focusing on pharmacy student perspectives, interviews, and the future outlook of our pharmacy industry. This is Sunil Shah, a student pharmacist at the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Pharmacy Podcast, Pharmacy Future Leaders, to thank you for supporting my audiobooks, Memorizing Pharmacology and How to Pronounce Drug Names. I'm supporting at least two student registration stipends to APHA ASP members for the 2017 San Francisco APHA National Meeting, even if you've already paid. Go to my timeline on my Facebook page, TonyFarmD1, or my Tony Farm D YouTube channel to learn more. This ends Sunday, February 19, 2017. I'm excited to see some pharmacy alumni and student networks have already activated on social media. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Tony Guerra, for the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast, broadcasting from DMAX Ankeny Campus. Connect with me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD or on YouTube at Tony PharmD, where you can find over 800 pharmacy videos supporting my two audible audiobooks, Memorizing Pharmacology and How to Pronounce Drug Names, both available on Amazon. Today, we're talking to Sanish Shah, a student pharmacist in his final year in the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy at University of the Sciences. Sanish is passionate about critical care medicine, infectious disease, mentorship within the profession of pharmacy, and clinical research. He's recently been awarded first place for a parenteral nutrition study by the Delaware Valley Society of Health System Pharmacists. Sanish currently practices as a pharmacotherapeutics tutor at Philadelphia College of Pharmacy at University of the Sciences and as a pharmacy intern at Mercy Philadelphia Hospital. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast. Thanks. Hey, Ed, so we're going to start off. I usually have some kind of leader uh, question, but uh, because you're in a, I don't want to say a, a more of a unique program, uh, tell me a little bit about the Zero to Six program. It's clear that you've had an early interest in healthcare, uh, that maybe your family had an influence uh, in terms of healthcare as you know, a broader profession, and then you decided for the narrower focus on pharmacy. So, uh, and then don't forget to focus maybe a little bit on uh, the importance of your family and volunteerism. So that's a lot, uh, but go ahead, tell me a little bit about uh, yourself, your family, and, and how you got into the pharmacy profession. Sure. So I was raised by a, a mother and father who were physicians. So a large portion of my, uh, my youth consisted of volunteering in healthcare. And I realized that, you know, there's something more precious and monetary gain to be obtained from one's career and really to be involved in the medical field at all is uh, quite a privilege and clinicians are really able to give patients the one thing that you know they value most in life and that's that's good health and as a high school student I got to see pharmacists and physicians collaborate in the nursing home that my mom worked at and also at the hospital that my dad worked at and I had the opportunity to shadow pharmacists who made a huge impact through direct patient care as well as through the development of policies and protocols that the entire healthcare team would follow and really rely on. Okay, so both of your parents uh, are in healthcare, uh, and then they passed on the healthcare bug to you. We talked a little bit about your siblings, but uh, tell me what made you maybe not go in the direction of your siblings, who I think went the the medical route. Um, so. A good amount of um, my decision to pursue pharmacy sort of came from, you know, offering a unique portion to the healthcare team and really focusing and being an expert on the therapeutic aspect. Um, you know, additionally, I, 
throughout the years have seen uh, some pharmacists really go toe to toe. For instance, if you were to look up, uh, you know, Judy Judy Jacoby, um, she was awarded the highest honor in the Society of Critical Care and Medicine. Is even the president of the organization for a little while. Um, so I found that you know pharmacists can play a, a really big impact in in patient care. Okay, cool. Um, you are from Northern PA, but you decided to go down to Philly. Uh, so if we're talking about the Delaware Valley, we're talking about uh, Pennsylvania, Maryland, um, that whole you know Northeast corridor, mid-Atlantic. Uh, what made you decide to go down to Philly? Um, so I chose Philadelphia College of Pharmacy. It's, uh, it's a six-year program, and I absolutely knew I wanted to pursue a career in pharmacy. Um, I also wanted to attend a pharmacy school that was pretty well established, and um, I think I think PCP won that battle since it was the uh, first. Wasn't it the first? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that was a big part of my decision. Um, I also had a cousin who had gone to to Philadelphia College of Pharmacy as well, and she really liked the balance in student to faculty ratio. And this was something that really worked out for me since it, it made it easier to engage in research projects with different faculty at the school. Um, uh, additionally, both of my sisters also went to school in Philly, so um, I, was, I was a little bit familiar with the city. And uh, I have the type of personality that kind of embraces change, so I, I didn't really, um, so, so I wanted to, uh, you know, find some opportunity for independence, but remain relatively close to home, so. Yeah, I did the same thing, sort of. I did uh, Baltimore, and uh, I came from the suburbs, and I'd never lived in an urban area, certainly not as urban as the Maryland uh, College of Pharmacy is. And I really learned a lot by being in that area, not only from the pharmacy school, but just uh, what is it to live in that kind of area. And we'll maybe talk a little bit about underserved patients a little bit later. Um, so when I did move from those suburbs to Baltimore City, it was kind of a shock, but I ended up loving that, you know, you could go anywhere and do uh, anything in this big city. Uh, what are the best things you like about Philly? Um, so I've been skateboarding since I was in uh, middle school and uh, just get off the topic of pharmacy for a second. But, no problem. No problem. Um, there's, um, yeah, there's some really good skateboarding spots around here. And uh, one of the spots actually that's uh, closest to my house is right outside an elementary school. So a lot of the um, the regulars will usually give older skateboarders skateboards to younger to younger kids who are interested in the sport. And um, having lived in Philadelphia for close to six years, it's really neat seeing uh, a lot of these kids progress. I've actually seen some of them go on to make a career out of skateboarding or even filming for for skateboarders. Um, for those planning on visiting Philadelphia, though, I'd highly recommend checking out the art museum, some of the historical sites, and uh, a really good restaurant is Honest Tom's. They have really great burritos there. Huh, so you, you went away from the Philly cheesesteak. Uh, so you're leaving in a couple of months, so I, I hopefully they won't come and get you for that. But uh, <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, I've been uh, to Philly a couple of times, and so much food down there. If you're a foodie, uh, it's definitely a, an awesome place to be. I want to learn a little bit more about this uh, skateboarding thing, uh, just because as I've talked to all these innovators, these leaders, the one common thread is that 
whether in their patients or in their life, they like to see progress. Um, so tell me a little bit about the leadership roles you had between freshman and sophomore year and kind of how much pharmacy was part of that. So DMAC, we take pre-pharmacy classes, um, but that's different than taking classes with your future professional classmates. So in terms of progress, you know, you've got the, you see the skateboarding skills, it's, it's pretty clear who's, you know, better than the other. But as you're progressing, you know, through freshman, sophomore year, what's that like? Uh, what was that progression like? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, so generally, uh, freshman and sophomore pharmacy classes here, um, or pharmacy majors here, um, take similar classes to other students at the University of Sciences. Uh, pre-professional coursework um, is, you know, your math and science classes as well as social sciences. Uh, and then there's written and humanities courses. So pretty standard college classes. Uh, most students who attend University of Sciences that are pharmacy majors, so you tend to become pretty close to your classmates around here, especially as you move into your professional years. Um, so for instance, my coworker at my internship also used to be my lab partner when I was taking general chemistry. Um, another example is I, I attended a, a CVS corporate meeting with uh, actually one of my neighbors when we were both living in the dorms as freshmen. So what was your, your biggest impact as a leader uh, as you were kind of going through these undergrad classes? So I think my biggest impact as a leader uh, was being a tutor for a variety of these undergraduate classes when uh, during my sophomore year. Um, and even apart from that, what's neat is that since the school is pretty small, I see a lot of my past mentees around campus from four years ago, regardless of if they were pharmacy majors or not. Um, in fact, one of my one of the students that I had that I that I currently tutor uh, P&T classes for recently is the, the same student that I taught for chemistry and biology tutoring. So that's kind of a surprise to me because I made the assumption with Baltimore that a big city equals a big college and we were 4,000 graduate students, 1,000 undergrads, so actually a very small school. So you just said that PCP was small. I didn't really realize that. How small is small or, or what, what is small to to you? Um, so in terms of its pharmacy class size, I'd say we're a little bit large. We're definitely on the larger size. Um, there's about 200 kids in my class. But uh, in terms of overall campus size and walking around campus, uh, it's really, it's very difficult to see an unfamiliar face, I would say. Okay, so kind of a small town almost, but uh, in the middle of this giant city, uh, you still have kind of this closeness and you don't really feel, would you say you feel ever lost in uh, where you wouldn't know somebody? No, um, it's, it's very uncommon. Uh, the campus itself is um, relatively small too, so definitely, definitely uncommon to, uh, to, see, to see unfamiliar faces. Okay, so you've been, I, I put this uh, call out there for uh, students that, um, PCP would recognize is uh, active in not only uh, their classes but in social media and you were one of the two names they sent me out of all of your classmates so as you arrived at your P4 year what innovative practices can you share that they must have seen in you to say this is the guy we want this guy speaking on behalf of our college I don't mean to put too much pressure on you but <laughs> <laughs> so 
So I've had um, a few unique experiences during my time as a pharmacy student. Uh, during my third professional year, a, a classmate and I were invited by the Delaware Valley Society of Health System Pharmacists and uh, as well as Wilkes University to provide a continuing education presentation. Um, we presented data for um, we presented data that was available for idorosizumab, which is a new reversal agent for dabigatran. This was presented to a large audience of pharmacists, pharmaceutical representatives, and attendees from the pharmaceutical industry. So okay. that was definitely pretty pretty neat. So you're, uh, the, for the for the people that uh, don't didn't maybe catch that, that's Praxbind uh, and Pradaxa, right? If we go brand name, uh, yep. just to, to reduce the syllable count. Uh, but, oh, yeah. <laughs> but Idarucizumab, uh, it's, it's new, uh, and I think about three or 4,000, uh, and it, that was the big problem, right, with dabigatran. Well, tell me what the big problem with dabigatran was in re- relation to warfarin. Um, so the issue with dabigatran is there wasn't exactly a reversal agent for it, um, and it's also the other issue is you can't really monitor it as easily as you can with warfarin. Um, so that that was the disadvantage, or, uh, in terms of, or that was the advantage of using warfarin over dabigatran. Uh, the disadvantage of using dabigatran, though, is that it is renally eliminated. So, um, so okay, and then there so was no there was no antidote though. That it. was the big thing, right? So, and this this antidote is is a big step forward. Uh, with this this class of drugs that kind of put it pushed it past warfarin, I guess you would say. Yeah, so it it can be used for uh, emergency situations. Okay, um, so tell me a little bit more about um, uh, first of all, explain in vivo versus in vitro, and then a little bit more about your research. Oh, so um, another thing uh, that I thought was kind of unique was I. Um, I've been able to complete an in vitro pharmacokinetic study. Uh, so in vitro meaning outside of the body and in vivo meaning in the body. Okay. Uh, so, a lot, so a lot of the research that um, I have done during my time in pharmacy school was more retrospective studies. So that would be more uh, retrospective clinical studies. So that would be more of a, an in vivo study. But this was in vitro. So this was purely in a... Um, a laboratory, um, it, and anyway, uh, with this with this study, uh, it was right here at the university at the McNeil Graduate and Research Center, um, and my co-investigators were a PhD candidate and a uh, a PhD with expertise in controlled drug delivery. Um, so, having just finished some university classes in pharmacokinetics and pharmaceutics, uh, this really allowed me to serve a unique role as a student pharmacist on this team. Um, so anyway, this, this study itself was born when our team came across a, a new clinical trial for um, a new drug at the time, which was called Zardimus. And this was an extended-release oxycodone acetaminophen formulation that produced delayed effects when crushed compared to the same formulation when intact. Um, and Zardimus uh, also was found to have delayed effects compared to instant-release oxycodone acetaminophen formulations so you can kind of imagine this this drug would be very useful for patients with a history of abuse sure yeah so so anyway uh the issue with this clinical trial though was that it measured outcomes through subjective patient questionnaires you know everyone's body is different so it's a little bit different difficult to tell just from that um outcome measure just how uh 
you know, just how effective the drug is actually working. So uh, what my team and I did was we did this in vitro study, which measured the release of Zardimus in a simulated gastrointestinal tract using hydrochloric acid. And data was obtained by obtaining various samples of Zardimus and um, a control instant release oxycodone acetaminophen formulation um, from this simulated hydrochloric acid. And we took it at different time points and measured it using uh, spectrophotometry, which is an instrument used to determine concentration of a sample. So, Okay, let me... <laughs> just uh, I, I, that's a lot to absorb, uh, no pun intended. But I, I just wanted to know what does a simulated GI tract look like? In my head, I'm seeing you know these models from you know maybe 11th and 12th grade of you know the colon and or GI tract, you know duodenum and and stomach. Uh, what is a stim- simulated GI tract? So uh, it's just basically different concentrations of water and hydrochloric acid. Um, to put it plain and simple. Oh, okay. So it's in. It, we're in beakers, or I guess I'm just trying to figure out like what this looks like. You're you're in the lab, and your simulated GI tracts in front of you. What does that look like? Correct. It's just uh, it's it's not as complicated as it seems. Uh, just in a beaker. Okay. It just sounded really cool. Yeah. I, just, I just, you know, I thought you might have these things going on. Okay, cool. Let's, let's take a little bit of a, a tour. Uh, you went to mid-year in Las Vegas. Lucky you that it just happened to be in Vegas this year. Uh, but tell me about the experience, uh, what you got out of it. Um, you spent, you told me you had spent a day talking with residents and their posters. And I'd like to hear about that. I remember sitting in front of my poster and we were just kind of begging to have people, you know, come talk to us. And and then there was kind of a rush and then it got kind of uh, slow. But you had a whole day. So tell me a a bit about that. I'd really like to hear. Sure. So um, so getting to chat with pharmacy residents and um, residency poster presentations was definitely my favorite part of the meeting. it was really it was really neat to have a, a one-on-one live performance by an expert in a specific pharmacy topic. Uh, what was really neat was seeing uh, research that was similar to to research that um, I had conducted or or really been following in the past. Um, for instance, I worked with the clinical coordinator and an infection control expert at Mercy Philadelphia Hospital last year to um, complete a retrospective study that compared uh, Clostridium difficile infection rates during a piperacillin tazobactam shortage time frame and a time frame without a piperacillin tazobactam shortage. So it was really exciting to see a resident who presented a similar research project that compared clostridium difficile rates with the cefepime shortage that occurred this past year. Um, yeah, this was my first time at the, uh, the American Society of Health System Pharmacists clinical meeting, but, you know, I really had a good time. Great. We'll be right back. But first, a word from our sponsor. At University of the Sciences, our students are ranked among the top 10 in the nation for salary after graduation. They are molded in the lab and forged in clinics. They are some of the most sought-after graduates in the region, and they are proven everywhere they go. If you're dedicated to healthcare, science, pharmacy, or business, University of the Sciences is dedicated to results. See the proof at usciences.edu slash proven everywhere. I just am always amazed at how much you can fit into a day. I know Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography, he says, you know, there are 24 hours in a day. I slept for five hours and then I did all these things for 19 hours. Uh, How do you how do you prioritize, you know, these um, these interests that you have? 
uh, and then with all the things that you're doing in research at school. So, um, in terms of what you're looking for in the future, so you're going to have hopefully residency, and uh, you want very clearly certain research aspects. Um, how do you how do you look for that on a national scale? Because it seems clear that you're not looking locally. Yeah, so uh, that's a good question. So most of my, um, you know, advanced pharmacy practice uh, experience rotations took place in uh, larger academic institutions, and I feel like that was where I learned best. So I, I look for a residency that maintains a similar environment. Um, I also hope to match to a, a hospital that's pretty busy, and um, that, that way I'm exposed to more, uh, much more disease states um, almost every pharmacist is responsible for mentoring students, pharmacy technicians, and other pharmacists. So I also look for teaching opportunities within a program. Um, well, any ASHP accredited residency mandates that, uh, you know, a resident um, does a, a project that is suitable for publication. I, uh, I really look for a program that works with residents to, um, you know, sort of come up with a, a mutual topic that, uh, as, as opposed to just being assigned a topic. Yeah, and it'll hopefully uh, take advantage of your strengths. And, and I think the match is often just that, where it, it ends up being a good match. Um, the prestige factor, things like that, tend to matter a lot less than uh, getting the right fit. Uh, and I think it, it, it's come out in a lot of interviews uh, we've had where um, someone will go to a site and say, huh, you know, I really thought this was the one. And then they go to another site where like, well, you know, I wasn't really thinking this one. But now I see that we get along well. Uh, I didn't realize they had this research. So um, you've had this preparation for something like that, though, for six years. Can you tell me what it's like um, to go to a six-year school where you're all together rather than maybe having it broken up as you go to undergrad one place, you go to four years pharmacy another place, or um, rather than an accelerated program where, and while six years is somewhat accelerated, I'm talking about the five years. Um, what's it like uh, longitudinally over those six years? Uh, and then uh, I think you, you had an experience where a professor moved away in the middle of a project or something like that. So if you can tell me more about that. Yeah, so um, it does help going to uh, a school for six years just because, um, as I mentioned earlier, you tend to see more familiar faces. Uh, you're um, very, you, you tend to, to know your professors uh, a lot better. Um, one study that I'm actually working on has uh, been in progress for a few years, and um, it's, a, it's a retrospective study that looks at mortality rates and severe um, Clostridium difficile infection patients in whom vancomycin was started initially compared to patients in whom pretreatment with metronidazole was received and vancomycin was started after 48 hours of diagnosis. Um, so anyway, the, the faculty member for this project that I initially started with uh, ended up leaving the university before the um, institutional review board protocol or really the study at all was approved. So unfortunately, the protocol um, after he left had returned as rejected. But lucky for me, that same faculty member was very proactive and kept in touch to gain approval for the project. And I'm also fortunate to have gained uh, a ton of support for the study from the pharmacists at the university and from the pharmacists at Cooper University Hospital, which is where the study will be conducted. Um, in fact, one of my preceptors for my infectious disease rotation at Cooper uh, agreed to sponsor me as a volunteer after I left that rotation site. Um, so, so that way I would have um, 
access to the the electronic medical records and uh, other supplies that I would need to complete the project. And so ultimately, if you really think about it, our team only got stronger. And uh, currently, the Institutional Review Board for the protocol for this study is approved. Um, data collection sheets being created. Uh, um, an identified list of patients that meet inclusion criteria have been pulled, and uh, I'm scheduled to start this project uh, very shortly. Wow, you've uh, you've just done so much as a student. It, it I almost feel like you've kind of dipped your toe into some of the things that PhD students and, and residents do. Um, but tell me a little bit more about uh, the impact you've made on these APPEs or APES as you've been going through this fourth year. Uh, you mentioned some clinical progress you've made, cardiology, infectious disease, other clinical practices. Yeah, so um, I've tried to leave each rotation site um, at least a little bit better than I, I had found it. Um, I felt that I, I usually made the greatest impact in most interventions on patient care through medication reconciliations. Um, dur during my clinical rotations. Uh, I've also had, um, I've also completed at least one project at uh, each of the three hospitals that I had rotations at. So during my rotation at Cooper, my co-students and I data collected for different quality control parental nutrition studies uh, that saved the hospital money and benefited its patient population. Did you get a scholarship or something? Did you get some money out of this? I just want to make sure. No. <laughs> no. Okay, just yeah. Um So, but... Um, I guess with that project, though, I, I was fortunate to work with a productive team of pharmacists and pharmacy students and a statistician to complete a retrospective comparative parenteral nutrition study. Um, and this study compared the mortality rate of critically ill patients who receive parenteral nutrition within seven days of poor nutrient intake um, and after seven days of poor nutrient intake. So it was pr pretty uh, rewarding to contribute to um, that data anyway, um, especially since uh, that's a topic that is primarily based on expert opinion. So, um, but anyway, I guess for anyone interested in that, uh, I actually posted the poster for this project on ResearchGate uh, in the link below. Okay, so we can put that on the show notes. Um, but tell me a little bit about ResearchGate. I'm just not familiar with it at all. Um, so ResearchGate um, in general is... Uh, I want to say it's a social media site, but it's really not. Um, if anything, I think it's more of an anti-social media site. Uh, so it's, uh, <laughs> I've never heard that term. It's, but okay. <laughs> so it's basically um, a great way to share um, papers or posters or um, you know abstracts from clinical conferences uh, or any research in general, and you can kind of post it to your profile um, so that um, others can check it out. Um, the research you post isn't going to be reviewed, uh, but if you would like to share it, you can always post it to that site. Okay, so when you talk about ResearchGate being an anti-social media, it's really for people that are interested in this very, very narrow research focus. Um, we can kind of connect where you, the way, kind of the way you connected at ASHP, just maybe on a much bigger scale. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Okay. Well, what about keeping in contact with that team? Um, so, yeah, in terms of keeping in contact, uh, so so with that team, with the parenteral nutrition team, uh, so all of us attend the Philadelphia College of Pharmacy, so uh, definitely see them around a good amount. Uh, and then you uh, you're going to submit a case report or something like that? Oh, so... Uh, in terms of the case report, uh, there was an infectious disease consult team at 
uh, Cooper University Hospital that I worked with. Um, and yeah, we're working to submit a case report for publication. That's also the same team that um, is working with the working with me to for the uh, severe Clostridium difficile infection uh, study. Cool. cool. All right. Where's your next rotation? So my rotation after my rotation, um, I sort of had a block after that um, within the uh, within Penn Medicine. So. The rotation after that, I, I did at Pennsylvania Hospital, and I, uh, I volunteered to complete a drug use evaluation longitudinally outside my required rotation coursework. Um, so the primary objective of, of this study was to determine the rate of appropriate use of prophylactic astreonam and gentamicin for urologic procedures and patients that had a penicillin allergy. Um, so with this, we also, on, on top of collecting for, uh, you know, the accuracy of appropriate usage, we also looked at post-operative infection rates um, and compared those to be between groups. And patients who developed an infection were then also further stratified based on the type of urologic procedure that they underwent. Um, I also made a poster just to kind of summarize this for the urologists and the infectious disease pharmacists. I'm picturing you at the next ASHP in front of like three posters, uh, three different studies, and you know you just kind of, kind of just walk people through it. So this is this is fantastic stuff. Well, tell me about the cardiology rotation. Um, yeah. So then after Pennsylvania Hospital, my next rotation was at the hospital of the University of Pennsylvania. Um, at this site, this wasn't really my project, but I got to help out a lot with it. Um, I worked on the drug use evaluation with my preceptor who looked at the frequency of appropriate isoproteranol use um, based on high, uh, hospital department. Um, this was more just to save the hospital money. Okay. and Just because it's an expensive drug. No, no, it makes sense. And, and a lot of the uh, people we've talked to have, have really been focusing on population or maybe how to, you've got this fixed number of resources, how can we have the best outcome with the fixed resources we have? Um, but you've made a clear choice to go for residency rather than PhD or fellowship. Uh, why, why did you make that decision when you have such a clear you know, research focus or research intensive focus? Um, so even before I uh, you know, started pharmacy school, I, I really had a strong interest in direct patient care. Um, during my introductory rotations, um, my IPPEs, I, I had the opportunity to shadow a solid organ transplant pharmacist, and and this really um, this solidified. Like I knew absolutely that I wanted to pursue a career in, in clinical pharmacy, and and while I do enjoy contributing to medical rec, uh, medical literature, and uh, by through research, I I also do enjoy reading studies that are already published and sort of using that data to directly benefit a patient's health. Um, my most meaningful advanced pharmacy practice rotation was in the intensive care unit. Uh, you know, resident physicians really looked to the pharmacist I shadowed to choose the most appropriate therapy because she could, um, she was familiar with all the, uh, the medical literature that was already out there and, uh, you know, she could really provide good reason for the treatment of each patient. Yeah, I found that when we, when you have a, a great preceptor, you know, they're going to be able to pull those maybe 20 articles from the sea of articles that comes out there uh, and say, this is what you need to go through, and then you get a really good understanding. So it's always nice to have those. 
Okay, what does it mean to be a researcher to you? I, I get the concept in a broad sense, but uh, what do you what experience do you need in professional school to move that you know, researcher title forward? Um, so professional classes uh, um, that uh, most pharmacy schools will provide are uh, going to be drug information and seminar, and, and those really help me get a broad exposure to interpreting all the different kinds of clinical studies that are out there. Um, what also helped was leading journal clubs and, and really applying studies to patients during clinical rotations. Uh, also really critical in my development. Um, I think it's also very important to be able to interpret literature regardless of your, um, regarding your, your research topic. Uh, just because when you go to design a research study, uh, you want to look at you want to look at the baseline demographics that previous studies looked at. Um, you want to look at you know what limitations previous studies had, um, and you really the ultimate goal is always to contribute to medical literature and and see what really hasn't been studied. So definitely very important to just basically read as many articles as you can. You'll learn with each paper. Yeah, and I find that you know once you take command of an article, that's really when you kind of dig into it and digging into it, and not just to find okay what statistical significance these things, but uh, just a matter of how do you read an article, how do you get through many articles uh, to get what information you need as you know quickly as you can. So you're kind of at the end of the line, your fourth year, your I guess your P4, um, you're about to graduate here in, in a couple months. Um, take us back to what blanket advice you would have for the pre-pharmacy students now, now that you've uh, taken you know, all of it, so much advantage of uh, the opportunities they have at PCP. Sure. So um, I, I would say uh, going into pharmacy is a, uh, a very big decision. Um, and with an increase in corporate merging and a, uh, a rise in the amount of PharmD programs that are out there, the, the amount of jobs for pharmacists are starting to decline. Um, pharmacy can be a very rewarding career, but the only way that a student can know that it is for them is to shadow a pharmacist, and this can be working as a technician or as a volunteer. Um, and those who really do enjoy working in a pharmacy prior to enrolling in uh, a pharmacy program are, are guaranteed to have a career that they love. Um, but unfortunately, I've also seen those who pursue pharmacy blindly or for monetary gain, and those people tend to be the most disappointed. Yeah, something that I didn't think about until you just mentioned it is that with a 06 program, and my wife went to something similar at Drake where they, they're all together for you know six years, is that not only are you committed to the profession already, but by going to that type of school, your classmates are also committed to the profession very early. Uh, so yeah. that just, it's just kind of a, a nice thing to know that uh, you've got that support um, and that they're already investing in you freshman, sophomore year uh, to be part of the profession. It sounds like you took uh, great advantage of that. Well, um, what we can share the contact information in uh, the show notes, but what's the way that you would prefer to be contacted if somebody had a, a question for you? Um, so I always make a rule to respond to e emails as fast as possible. So definitely an email. Um, I promise I'll respond. <laughs> okay, okay. And then uh, just a couple of uh, quick questions uh, to kind of give us uh, your best advice. What's your best daily ritual to keep your work on track? Um, I am sure to drink a coffee every day, and I also make sure I follow my calendar. Okay. I, I've 
you know, it's not a New Year's resolution necessarily, but I'm kind of doing the same thing. I'm uh, making sure that every day I'm like, okay, I wrote out what I have to do today. Why am I, you know, why am I on Twitter? Why am I surfing? Why am I doing these things? So stick with your calendar. That's awesome. And then what's the best career advice you've ever received? Um, don't worry about money and, and really just to do what you love and, and what interests you. Uh, the money will always follow. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that. I absolutely love my job at the community college, and I'm not just saying that because my boss listens to these podcasts. But uh, you know, I, I followed this job, and and it paid you know maybe a third of what uh, most of the um, you know top paying jobs do. But I get so much satisfaction, uh, and then uh, it's it's really not all about the money. There's other parts of your job that are going to be fulfilling, uh, and if you do follow what you love, then you're going to be the best at it. And it's clear that you're one of those people. And then finally, what inspires you? It's um, a good question. So I, I would say uh, my my family, my friends, and, and definitely all my mentors throughout pharmacy school. Um, definitely all their accomplishments, uh, and you know, very very motivating to uh, to to be able to take that and, and go forward and try to see what I can come up with. Yeah, it sounds like you've had a, a great family who was uh, very supportive. Um, introduced you to healthcare, introduced you to volunteerism. Uh, you've become uh, this fantastic representation of your college and uh, clearly show uh, what's available in the pharmacy profession for those that just really work hard. And I kept hearing over and over again, you know, above and beyond that by doing above and beyond, uh, you've uh, earned all of these uh, kind of opportunities. And so I wish you the best of luck when it comes to the match. And, and I, I, I'm sure you're going to match somewhere uh, that's going to work out well. Well, thank you so much for being on the Pharmacy Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I had a lot of fun. If you're interested in being on the Pharmacy Podcast, contact me on Twitter at Tony underscore PharmD. And if you're interested in sponsoring an episode, contact Todd Yuri at thepharmacypodcast.com. We thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to the Pharmacy Future Leaders Podcast with your host, Tony Guerra. Be sure to share the show with the hashtag Pharmacy Future Leaders. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.